All right, everybody. We have a special treat today on this lovely, what is it, exactly halfway through the month of May, which puts us halfway through the second quarter. Hopefully, you guys are all on track for your goals. We have from Equity Title, Rick Senemi. Rick, welcome to the show. VP, I believe, too, right? Hit star, sticks on your phone, and we'll be able to hear you. Uh, yeah, my, my official title is the uh, Chief Operating Officer now, so promotion oh, back in oh, December. Oh, wow. You're CEO. Good job, man. Or COE, right? COO. COO. There we go. COO. There you go. All right. He got promoted. All right. We love it. Good job. And, and and we also, I also have to point out, incredible first name. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell us a little about, so COO for Equity Title. Tell us a little about yourself, how long you've been doing this, all that good stuff, please. Well, I've been... Uh... I've been in the real estate industry since 1998. Um, I was originally licensed as an agent back in 1998 uh, while I was in college. Um, and then I, uh, I I did that throughout my, my college years, graduated with a finance degree, corporate finance. Decided to try my uh, luck in the casino industry uh, for a few years and, and sold real estate on the side and just decided I really love real estate. So opened up my own brokerage around 2003, had a brokerage through 2010, 2011-ish in that range. Um, very successful in the early parts and struggled in the end because of the, uh, the way the market was. Didn't have any REO accounts, did a lot of short sales. So I tired of it around 2010 and uh, started looking for other avenues and I got pulled into the uh, title industry around 2010 for a competitor here in town. I was a yep. marketing representative for them and I, uh, I did that for about two years and got an opportunity at the time, had some personal things going on, going through divorce and had had a chance to take a job with a friend and travel, which I really wanted to do. So. I did that, traveled around the country um, managing processing centers for a reverse mortgage lender and worked with all their loan officers as well as their processing staff as well as the branch managers, uh, making them more you know profitable as well as streamlining their processes down because it's very labor intensive. And then uh, I took a little hiatus from that. I always had this dream of being a uh, high school football coach. And wow. I thought that thought that would be a great idea. So I enrolled in college again, my master's in education, and took advantage of a program that Clark County School District offers for math teachers and science teachers to get your license fairly quickly and get in the classroom within three months. Uh, so I met all the requirements. I, I did the course. I started my master's program. I passed the tests and. Before I knew it, in February of uh, 2014, I jumped into uh, teaching high school math for about two years. And wow. Yeah, quickly here in town. So I was in Las Vegas at uh, one of the local high schools. Uh, ninth grade algebra one was my specialty. So I wasn't as smart as the other math teachers, so I got the basic math class uh, <laughs> to teach. I was just going to say, I probably couldn't even pass that course right now. <laughs> sure you could. Uh, probably. We'll see. I don't know. Math wasn't my thing. <laughs> yeah, so so I quickly realized that being a math teacher and coaching football, there's a reason that all the coaches 
nothing against them, but they all are teaching a course that's not a core subject. Um, there's a lot less papers to grade. There's a lot less things to do unless you're you're later on in your career and and I was and I was brand new, so I had a lot of work. So I never really got to actually teach, um, or excuse me, coach football. I got to teach, obviously, but I didn't get to coach. I uh, was a girls' golf coach for one season and had an opportunity here in equity. Um, I am was brought into the business twice, real estate and then the title industry, by, uh, by my mom, who was an agent and then also a rep. And she had lunch with the escrow manager at equity title, and they, she, she said they're looking for a salesperson, potentially a sales manager, my name came up, and in 2016, I was hired as a marketing representative for Equity Title out of the Southwest office. Nice. That's my, yeah, so that's you climbed the ranks. Story. You climbed the ranks quickly there because uh, you know now you're COO of the company, and Equity does. I mean, listen, I'm in three, I'm in four markets all the time. And all our, uh, I would say you guys are extremely good. You have incredibly good marketing reps with Brittany, Rhonda, and Jamie. And you guys, I mean, you guys have some really good, uh, really good stuff going on. Some really good uh, services for the for the agents too. So it's it's a great working relationship that we have. Thank you. That's what we strive for. Cool. So just okay. So just so everybody explains, tell them. I mean, just give them an idea of the process. So. You know, I, I put a property under contract. What happens next? So that's a good question because a lot of times people kind of flip-flop the two pieces, escrow and right. title. They always say, call, call the title company, call the title company. Um, you are calling a title company. We are a licensed title company. What you're, most of the time, the people that you're speaking to, though, are escrow staff, and they are the right. ones pushing the paper, handling the money. So. So when a, when a contract comes in, it goes gets entered into our system, and then it gets it goes in two different directions. The first direction is it goes with the escrow officer that's written in the contract, and she starts doing her thank yous and reaching out to the parties and making sure all the documentation is is getting in the right hands that we have the contract completed, all of the quick little minor things, and and then the other piece that's happening is it goes to our back office where our title department is and our title plant. And the property at that time is being researched by an actual title officer who's here in uh, Las Vegas, sitting at their desk and, and doing research on that property to make sure of a few things. One, the sellers are actually the sellers, and they have the ability to sell the property. And then mm -hmm. two, the, pro the, the property itself is, is clear of any liens or judgments, as well as the sellers are clear of any liens or judgments. Um, so you have that going on simultaneously as the um, the escrow process with the escrow officer, which most people talk to is the escrow officer. You really never talk to the title person unless it's a larger commercial file or something that is um, kind of in-depth. But we welcome our, our title manager, uh, Tom, will get on the phone with any agent, sellers, buyers, and explain anything with them. So we, we actually welcome that. Um, but... From the escrow standpoint, then, we're just kind of following the guidelines of the contract. We have a closing date. We have a price. We're ordering anything that needs to be paid through the escrow, so HOA demands, taxes, uh, mortgage payoffs, 
any liens or judgments, and, and we're just building what I call the settlement statement. That's our ultimate goal from the escrow standpoint, is build the settlement statement so that it covers everything on the property and the seller to transfer the title free and clear of any of their liens or judgments. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. All right, cool. And, uh, you know, I mean, I think that uh, in today's world, what you just said, especially the part about verifying that it's actually the seller, that's gotten a little crazy lately, hasn't it? It has. We've actually come across a few different situations that are, they weren't the seller. We'll just say that. Um, They were imposters. And they uh, tried to sell vacant land in certain parts of town. Vacant land with, uh, obviously, is, there's no, it's not owner-occupied, it's vacant land. So there's that first checkbox that the fraudsters like, and then it being vacant land, there's really no monitoring of it. Nobody calls around and says, hey, how's my piece of land doing, right? They don't really look at it. Or, you know, if you have a house, you might call your neighbor and say, everything good with my house. Um, It doesn't happen with vacant land, so it's really unmonitored and uh, becomes an issue. So we do some extra diligence on making sure we're actually selling the property from the owner, the seller, and not from a fraudster. And then the second piece is we're seeing um, absentee owners, second homes that, you know, they, they don't come into town very much or they haven't because of life and somebody tries to become an imposter and basically, you know, sell the property out from underneath them. So it's definitely been a challenge. Those are the two scenarios that we we look at very in-depth, and we, we do our research and make sure that the seller is actually the seller. Yeah, and, and how do, as an agent, what's the best way for them to verify that? You know, from an agent standpoint, it's, it's multiple points of contact. Um, you know, don't just settle, and, and I do this more from a time I reps into this as well. We do this with agents, but I, it could work as well with sellers, agents and sellers where, you know, you need multiple points of contact and you you need to know and make conversation regarding what's happening in their lives and and basically remember that and make sure that that's the person. Um, So give you an example, you get a phone number all the time. People, agents get leads or they get emails or, and, you know, phone numbers or or emails through a lead and they contact them and they wind up selling the property. Well, there's other ways to communicate with people, too. I mean, there's social media. Most people are on social media. So do a little research on your, on social media. We do, actually, on our end. If we have any doubt, we have a body here that, that starts digging in and doing research and start trying to find people. Um, the other thing, too, is, is that reach out to, as an agent, reach out to your, your title rep, your marketing rep. We have what are called contact searches to where we can get the information about the person who owns that property and we can match a phone number that they gave you. Um, you know, 78% of the time we can find out, hey, that phone number they gave you is on the list, so it's, it's more than likely them. As well, we might get an email address for them that could be a little bit different too. Um, but multiple ways of communication. The other thing too is that we do is, you know, we, we'll uh, contact them at their current address, not the address they're selling. Same thing with an agent. Agent wants to, to find out, you know, normal course of business, send a thank you card to the address where they're, um, living at. It's in the tax record. Right. It's, not, it's public record. Send a thank you card and just say, hey, it was great talking to you, you know, looking forward to sell your your property. If they're not selling their property and they get that card, you bet you they're going to call you right away. 
Um, yeah. So, yeah. so multiple multiple ways of communication is is best, and just having that, that that conversation. We and and anything too is if it feels bad, smells bad, it's probably bad. Um, we get that a lot. <laughs> if, they're, if they're forceful, um, if they're everything's an urgent matter. Oh, I got to do this right now. I have to do this right now. That's those are red flags. So, for a vacant piece of land or an absentee owner. That's a red flag that goes up. And then all of a sudden, it's, oh, we've got to close in two days. That red flag is going up. And then, oh, right. they have to use a mobile notary. Okay, all right. Can't do Zoom or they don't have any ID. It's an expired license. Like all of these are red flags that go up, and that's that's what we're monitoring. So there's things agents can do, and like I said, that's multiple points of contact, and there's also things that we're doing as well. Yeah, we had one in Arizona where um... – the this person owned this vacant land in the neighborhood and uh they had a really good friend in the neighborhood who was an agent and all of a sudden one of our signs went up you know he, this person is not with us and uh he's like wow my friends didn't even come so he called the agent and he said uh well um no he called the seller and he said hey uh i don't know if it's something i did but good, good luck on that land and what are you talking about and we were like two days away from closing and uh thank god yeah. Yeah, yeah, and because this was, this was early on, it was like a year, year and a half ago when it started. But there's not, I mean, land isn't the only type of fraud going on, Rick. There's other types too. So any other, oh, I know, urgency, uh, app, any other red flags that you can think of that they should probably be aware Ur- urgency of? Is, urgency is the biggest one. Urgency yeah. is always one that, that kind of raises the red flag. Um, the other one too is is that any type of hesitancy, right? So you have urgency on one end, I got to close, I got to close. And then, oh, I'll send you those documents later today, and the documents never come. And, and they'll say, oh, I wasn't sure that you were the right people. Well, you just spoke to us for an hour on the phone, and you sent us other documentation. So some hesitation sometimes also is a red flag of not providing the correct documentation. Um, the other one is, is when they get upset. Anytime that a seller gets upset because we're trying to close the property and we ask for something is also a red flag because – we're, we ask for the standard documentation on every file, whether it's a trust, an LLC, an individual. And if they're being upset from a seller standpoint, that's, that's definitely a red flag. There's a reason why, and that's usually because they don't have that documentation and they didn't think about that. Um, right. But you're right. There, there's fraud on, on all types of property. And mainly right now we're seeing sellers because they can get money uh, from selling the property. The other one is wire fraud is huge. Um, wire fraud isn't, it's not even a, it's considered an industry. Let's just say how big it is. Um, mm-hmm. It's its own industry as far as when you talk with people from the FBI and Metro and we have direct lines of communication with them regarding wires and, and things like that. But wire fraud is another one um, that is huge right now. And, and that is do not send money to anybody unless you have verbally verified them with the sender and you know the sender is the correct person. Um, from an agent standpoint, don't ever accept wire instructions on behalf of your client. Make sure the wire instructions right. are sent directly to the agent, or excuse me, to the to the client. When they are sent to the agent, I guarantee you that those are all of our wire fraud instances. Is somehow the agent got the wire instructions and sent it to the client, and their email was compromised. And it wasn't secure, right. and now and now the bad guy has inserted himself into that email chain and had the money wired out. Um, 
to the wrong spot. And it's happened. I mean, we've, I'd love to say that we never got hit with any. We have. We've been very successful in recovering the money and getting it back because we, we were notified quickly. Um, but we also, we also know that it's, a, um, it's an ongoing challenge with yeah. buyers uh, to, to follow those steps. I mean, we've had, we had a wire fraud situation where it was in the email. Everything was correct in the email. Big, bold letters says, please call to verify the instructions. Had our phone number in there, except it was a bad email. It was the fraudster's email. And they didn't call us. And it actually had the right information in the email. If they had just picked up the phone, it would have saved them $22,000. They were able to get the money back wow. and close on the property after a week. But the stress of that being lost is definitely uh, weighs on people because sometimes it's their life savings. Right. Yeah, definitely. Especially these people that own raw land and they have, or, you know, if it's a vacant property and it's been an investment, it's a lot of times it's their retirement plans and so forth. But regardless, you know, there's just, people are getting very creative today in being criminals. It's actually crazy and picking real estate. It's the first time in my real estate career, I've been doing this for 39 years and I've ever seen this type of crap and it's, it's like you know, you think yourself. You think yourself. How do these people actually think they're going to get away with it? And but sometimes they do. It's crazy. You got to be paying attention. Yeah, they do. They do get away with it. So make sure you're always, always paying attention. All right, cool. All right, so tell us anything. Okay, so I'm somebody out there, and you know, I know you guys, what you guys do. So give, give them some tidbits of working with equity as far as closing your transactions. What are some of the benefits? Other than, I mean, I think you guys, you have three major benefits, which are your title reps are awesome, you know, depending on which more, um, you know, which office they're in. But give us your take on it, Rick. I think uh, from your standpoint as CEO from the company, I think that'd be great. Yeah, you know, from from our standpoint, what we try to be is a very quiet third neutral party in the transaction. Um, we don't like mm-hmm. to cause any type of, of drama, I should say. There's enough of that in a transaction as it is. There's enough emotions in the transaction when people are buying and selling, and we don't need to be part of it as far as contributing to the ups and downs. So what we try to do is get through all of that with the least amount of resistance as possible. And we've done a bunch of training. We have great escrow officers who understand and, and know the transactions inside and out. So the transactional knowledge is already mastered. So now they can focus on the relationship knowledge of that with the agents and with the sellers and the buyers. We have a lot of repeat sellers and buyers that come back to us with sometimes different agents and say, hey, we're directed over by the buyer or by the seller. And all of that is is just the the service and the relationship part that we offer and we do for these, um, both the the buyer, seller, and listing agent, selling agent. one is definitely on the relationship side of it is, is big for us, and you're always going to get that let me help you treatment instead of, well, we don't know. That's not, that's not a good answer for us. Um, our company mm-hmm. motto is is kick it upstairs. So there's no frontline employee, no escrow officer, or anybody in the front that should ever really be telling a customer no. Um, mm-hmm. It should be, you know, they, they need to check, and they need to come, and, they, and we have management in place, and we have – management above me in place to really go all the way up to the underwriters to make the decision on whether we're going to insure or close the transaction. So we're very much transactional driven as far as wanting to get them closed, but 
we never overlook the the side of the the human part of it where we know it's emotional we know that it's a challenge and we're there to help them and hold their hand if they need it or not say a word if they're one of those people who know what's going on and want to move forward so we kind of blend into the situation and and do our job and make sure that our transactions are closed without any claims or losses coming out of them for any party um, and like I said and whatever that means to that individual that's what we'll be if they need the help mm -hmm. we're there if they don't we will like I said we'll back away so yeah kind of like you know like whenever you, when, I, when you take a flight you're like how was your flight uneventful that's the best kind you want <laughs> no problems right. exactly you know, right <laughs> exactly. And the other, the other piece of that, too, is, you know, we're very technologically driven as well yeah. as we don't have to be at the same time. So what I mean by that is we have a very secure site that we use for our title and escrow. It's, it's interactive. Buyers and sellers can get on there and see in real time where their file is. Agents can see where their files are. Um, mm -hmm. They can also retrieve documents. We've Over the last couple of years, we've started a document uh, storage for our clients where we're putting the documents in there and it's a lifetime login. They can get in there and see their closing statement. They can see their deed of trust. They can see their deed. All of these documents are dropped into this folder and they can have access to it. And it's great because it is secure. It is um, very much a you know, username, password with authentication as well. And it, it works very well. We have all digital signatures if we need to or if you want someone to come to your house and sign with pen and paper, we'll do that too. So it, we really have the, the means to fit everybody, and that's, that's what we do. We try, to, we try to fit everybody as far as from a buyer and seller standpoint. From an agent side, you know, it, it, again, it's the same thing. We want to make sure the agents yeah. are getting what they need to be successful and that the transactions are the least amount of their concerns. They should be worrying right. about getting transactions, and we'll worry about closing them. Yeah. Amen, brother. That's why I'm, I'm the same way with, with our team concepts of, uh, you know, mortgage, real estate, t uh, title, escrow. With our team concepts, that's exactly what they should be doing. And not only that, you know, whether they're working, you know, with uh, Rhonda here at the St. Rose office or Brittany and, you know, Sahara and Twain or, you know, Jamie over at the um, Southwest office. I mean, not only are they going to take care of their clients, you know, your clients and get them closed and keep them happy and have everything go wonderful and safe. They're also helping them do business with farming and marketing and open house, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I, I joke with our agents that your, your, you know, your ladies know our VAC better than most of them and how to incorporate it with some <laughs> of the marketing that they do too. No, they really do, which is great. Yeah, that was the, that was the push when the VAC came out. Um, when the updated one came out, what, a few years ago and, we we keep doing things that are double work, and I just told the told all the reps at the time. I was like, you, know, you guys need, really need to learn this. Go to the class. We actually have um, been to the VAC classes. Probably need a little bit of a refresher, but they use it quite a bit, and they use it to to help the agents. And that's what we want. We don't want the agents to use an outside system because then they're using five outside systems, and we'd rather right. them use the VAC and, and maybe one other thing so that to help them. And it makes our lives a little bit easier as well if they stick with that. But, yeah, we, we definitely know our way around the VAC. Yeah. It'd be nice if they all use the VAC and they use their Berkshire Hathaway email because they're so much more secure for all the stuff that you mentioned earlier, too. But some of them, you know, like Rick Baraby at Gmail. I always tell them, what are you, a secret agent? Your Berkshire Hathaway yeah. email is so much more professional. 
right? But some of them love to use. <laughs> I mean, I have one, Barabee.Rick at Yahoo. I, I mean, I had it. Yeah. That's like the beginning of time, right? But that's I don't right. use that one for business and so forth. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely use your business email for sure because, again, it, it is I know. Uh, a, lot more, a lot more secure. A lot, especially with, uh, with especially now corporate-owned, we've gone through a uh, whole, uh, I mean, we do, as management, as leadership, we do unbelievable training. We have something called phishing and all kinds of stuff, which I have never seen before. <laughs> so we yep. are, like, we are tight. I always joke, it's like the Pentagon here. <laughs> I, I, I understand that completely because we do the same stuff here as well. Well, see, here's the thing, too, Rick. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and I've been doing the the relationships with, like, like when I started back in 85, it made sense to me right away to use one alone originator because now she's on my team. My girl's name was Lorraine. Then I had one person to close my deal. This is before RESPA and all the, all the regulations and stuff that we have right now. And it, for a lot of agents, um, they have to make a mistake or waste their time or, you know, it's so much easier to, you know, give most of your business to one loan originator, especially since we have uh, Prosperity, which they have every program you could imagine, and then using equity or whether it's Pickford or Orange Coast, wherever, whatever market they're in, to keep that relationship tight. So just like you said earlier, Rick, you can go off and do the next deal and feel comfortable and secure that another person on your team, okay, is uh, doing – as a matter of fact, my my marketing, I used to put them right on my marketing as part of my team because I considered them part of my team. And that's exactly what we can do here, and they have the opportunity to do it. So any final words you want to leave these lovely people, Rick? Uh, just uh, thank everybody who uses us, the ones that, uh, the ones that aren't using us yet. Um, we're still here for you. So please, I'm willing to sit down myself with a rep, without a rep. I will sit down and hear our if you have complaints, you got issues, you have questions, you have, you know, congratulatory things to say to us, I, whatever it is, I'm, I'm a very, very open um, book when it comes to meeting with clients. I still meet with clients throughout the week. I would love to meet with some of your clients as well, and especially some of the agents that are, that are using us as well as the ones that aren't. I'd love to sit down and, and chat and see what we can do to be better. Love it, Rick. Awesome. And I, would, I have to give you congratulations because in March, was it March? Yeah, it was March. When we did our golf outing, you brought over a team and you guys eked us out. So my team came in second at <laughs> nine under and you guys were 10 under, okay, to win the challenge. So congratulations. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. We'll have to do it again soon. It was a blast, wasn't it? It was fun. Definitely. I'm ready. Whenever you are, I'm ready. All right. All right, Rick Sutterme from Equity Title. Ladies and gentlemen, you guys have a great week. Rick, thanks for taking your time out. Really appreciate it, my man. Thank you for having me. It was great. All right. Awesome. We'll talk soon. Thank you. Bye, everybody. All right. Bye.